to today's conversation in our After the Curve, the Changing Face of Healthcare podcast series. Today's focus is healthcare transactions. We're excited to bring you perspectives from McDermott's health law partners on how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting healthcare transactions right now, as well as the outlook for the deal landscape post-COVID. I'm Leslie Tulio, Chief Marketing Officer for McDermott. Joining me today are partners Jed Spielman and Kevin Miller. Jed, Kevin, thanks for joining. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Kevin, in the After the Curve report, you mentioned that the lasting impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on healthcare transactions is multifaceted with an eventual surge in deal volume seeming inevitable. Things are changing rapidly. Uh, are you still feeling that way? And if so, what areas of the industry do you think are prime for the surge and why? Sure, thanks, Leslie. I think, uh, you know, are things changing rapidly? Yes, in fact, I haven't looked at the news headlines in the last you know hour or so, so Lord knows what's changed. You know, a lot has happened in 2020 in a very fast order that has fundamentally changed things throughout the world. And, you know, in the, in the space of healthcare M&A, what that really has meant is uncertainty and a need for investors often to tend to their own fires, if you will, with investments they already have in place. We're starting now to see a resurgence in deal volumes and transactions that was delayed a little bit, I think, as folks were trying to get their feet underneath them. And then also, because of the benefit of the relief efforts that came underneath the CARES Act and Medicare Advanced Payment Programs, et cetera, gave folks, you know, some additional shots to play before things started to get serious. Now we're making that turn both on the restructuring and the M&A front. So have, have deal volumes depressed in the near term? Yes. Now they're resurging. I think that's inevitable. The question is how deals are getting done. Uh, has changed a little bit, and then what sectors we're looking at as well. Yeah, I would agree with all of that, Kevin. And I think a few specific points of interest. When the pandemic first hit, there was sort of a slowdown across the board, as everyone is aware. But as it has started to become more and more in the rearview mirror, I think a lot of the, the sort of sea changes that we might expecting haven't happened to quite the degree. There were some talk about large organizations potentially coming together and you know putting two large platform companies together that were owned by different sponsors on the theory that they could achieve efficiencies that way and and eliminate some expense from their bottom line and, and have a better stronger organization but those discussions just to pick that as an example sort of happened in a few instances but largely stalled because people didn't want to accept any value discounting for what they otherwise felt was a temporary blip meaning the, the pandemic and so we didn't really see that happen to that much of a degree and really just kind of saw a pause and then i think now you know there seems to be a, a follow the herd mentality that okay everybody seems to be doing deals again platforms are coming to market again that were otherwise put on the shelf to see how things shook out and i don't think people have changed their attitudes that much about particular sectors other than buttoning up valuation to a much stronger degree than before. So I think there's been a lot more emphasis on really betting out quality of earnings, particularly any sort of pro forma adjustments, certainly understanding the impact of COVID on the company's you know, long-term financial picture. But there's enough competitiveness for deals and enough hunger to get deals done that there have been some buyers who are sort of just kind of forcing the market to a point where they're willing to get deals done in, in all sorts of spaces as if 
in some cases, COVID hasn't really happened. If you're talking about strategics doing tuck-ins and trying to sort of win tuck-in deals that way, we've seen on the platform side, particularly in the past month to two months, you know, sponsors, as I mentioned before, that had otherwise put processes on the shelf, now coming to market. And again, seems to be across all sectors. And so I think sort of the the shift that we thought might happen from you know, picking winners and losers within the healthcare industry or other industries and, and uh, dollars moving in that direction has not really happened to quite the degree that might have been expected. But again, just more of a focus on buying quality businesses and really understanding any sort of pro forma adjustments that are being modeled in to a much greater degree than before. Yeah, that's right. Because the reality, right, Jed, is that the macroeconomic forces that were driving consolidation prior to COVID didn't go away. And in fact, I'd argue some of those have been accentuated, you know, the need for reform. And so that seems inevitable impacting across all different sectors. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned, Jed, you mentioned specifically investors and and folks looking to make deals are, are sort of looking again at the fundamentals and being more diligent about their diligence, for lack of a better word. Are there other things that COVID changed in the deal process or are there programs that were put in place that companies are taking advantage of that, that are changing how deals are getting done right now? So there's definitely areas of diligence on the legal side, but even more so on the business side, as I was just alluding to, where people are sharpening their pencils. I'm not sure if it's, if it's been transformative in terms of the legal point, but certainly understanding whether a target business has taken advantage of any of the CARES Act relief programs which span from the PPP loan program to, uh, with respect to healthcare, provider relief funds and Medicare advanced payment funds. That's certainly something that in any diligence process in healthcare, a buyer is going to want to pay close attention to. If a target has obtained those funds on the loan side, there's typically a conversation around whether the target is going to seek forgiveness, whether there should be an escrow of funds pending approval of the forgiveness application. A lot of banks have only just recently started to even accept forgiveness applications. Some haven't even started yet. So that process is really underway now. And then on the the provider relief fund side, understanding whether the company has attested to, to the proper receipt of those funds and whether the calculations were done in a way that are supportable, making sure if they've been applying those funds, that they've been applied in accordance with the requirements of the program. But those are, at the moment, not really transforming transactions in any meaningful way. It's it's something that needs to be factored in and, and structuring on the front end and understanding the, the sort of the debt profile of the business or the working capital profile in terms of how those funds are being applied. So those are all important to take a look at. I think the more the more significant change is, is again, not to, not to be too much of a dead horse on this point, but, but really both on the equity Side, but also on the debt side, really sharpening the pencil on what EBITDA is and what's a, a realistic projection for the go-forward financial performance of the business, where I think people were willing to accept a much rosier picture than before in their competitiveness to win deals. I think everyone is, is rolling up their sleeves a lot more than before. Yeah, that's definitely been my experience, which you know presents a challenge both because not only do you tires in the first instance, but to the extent you're levering the acquisition with debt financing, you also have to turn around and help justify the price and 
address the downside scenario modeling for lenders, underwriters, et cetera. Kevin, from your vantage point, have any other aspects of deals today that, that do seem transformational that you think will carry into the future and change the way deals are getting done? I think there are. It depends and it varies from subsector to subsector. You know, one sort of obvious subsector that's going to be dramatically impacted is, is health IT or tech-enabled healthcare. It was, you know, it was always there in the past, but healthcare has lagged other aspects of, you know, called our everyday life in terms of, you know, utilization of your iPhone or, or an iPad and, and telehealth. And COVID really forced change there overnight. I think as people get used to that, both from a regulatory an operating perspective, but also in terms of consumer demand, that seems very unlikely to abate. And so some of the more traditional you know, patient encounter situations are probably going to change to be more you know, utilizing technology in that way. And that's going to open up itself new opportunities as the way that people consume healthcare in the U.S. change to more perhaps consumer-driven models that we see in other industries. I think in terms of other transformational changes, I think the appetite for those types of businesses, which are more insulated, if you're looking at a, a population health business or, or a, another business whose customers are not necessarily patients, but are health plans or other sorts of entities where your patient flow is going to be less affected by something like a pandemic. Uh, I'm sorry, not your patient flow. You may not even have a patient flow. Your, your revenue model is going to be less affected potentially by a, something like a pandemic or a similar seismic event to the economy. I think there haven't been enough assets to hit the market yet for us to sit back and say, ah, we can see there's been a shift of capital into those types of businesses. We have seen a lot of interest in providers who are on a capitated model because their payment stream has not been affected by the pandemic. They, they continue to get paid the same per member per month amount, regardless of whether the patients are actually coming in the door. So those businesses have sustained really well. And I think there's been visibly heightened interest there already in terms of assets that have hit the market. But I think over the longer term, those health IT businesses or, or others that are sort of a different customer base than traditional healthcare are going to see more and more capital allocated their way. Well, when we start to talk about things like health IT, when we talk about sort of non-traditional health businesses broadly, that always brings me back to some of the trends we saw well before the pandemic, which at McDermott, we talk a lot about as a collaborative transformation. And it's, it's these often unlikely pairings of uh, organizations that are coming together to deliver better health care to the consumer or to the industry. I'd love to hear from the transactions perspective what you're both seeing and hearing in the industry and, and what types of collaborations are really looking interesting to you these days. Kevin, maybe you can kick us off. Sure, sure. You know, yeah, you did see some of those trends starting before. And I think insofar as the pandemic has opened up opportunity for change broadly, attitudes towards that have changed as well. Parties I'm working with are often very open to now who might be good partners in a broader way than perhaps they were previously as they find try to find you know, new advantages. And then some of these changes in the practice of medicine, as we've talked about, do open up new modalities that bring new players to the table. I think you'll continue to see 
more and more payer provider relationships, particularly going, you know, as Jed was just mentioning, as we see this push into more capitation, I think there's investor appetite for it. The shift from fee for service to capitation, you know, has been a macro trend going all the way back to one of the motivations for the Accountable Care Act. That hasn't gone away. And in fact, one could argue that the experience with COVID and the dramatic impact it had from a cash flow perspective on businesses that were purely fee-for-service, you know, that may shift attitudes as well. The IT companies that we see out there, we, you know, this was all obviously pre-COVID, but we saw, you know, some big consumer names moving into the space and figuring, you know, how can the next big idea, how can I dramatically change how um, healthcare is consumed, whether that's Google or Apple, um, companies like that. And so I think, you know, they're not going away anytime soon. We'll see more of that as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think COVID has, uh, like, like in many other areas, has accelerated the, the sort of the need and, and provided a lot more clarity around what's broken in terms of the healthcare delivery system. And I think new sorts of competitors entering the marketplace, as Kevin was just alluding to, is going to be a continuing trend in terms of people trying to find a better mousetrap to address some of these issues that we're facing in terms of costs being prohibited or, or inefficiencies in care delivery and, and trying to improve upon those from all sorts of different new angles. Yeah, I agree with that. So we've covered a lot of ground in terms of the trajectory of the transactions landscape, talking about new entrants, collaboration. When both of you step back and look at the market, what one or two pieces of advice would you give deal makers or healthcare leaders who are looking um, at their portfolios right now and thinking about their next steps? Jed, could you maybe share your thoughts on that front? Yeah, I think looking at, as not to be too redundant, but as we've sort of been talking about, looking at these other alternative players in the healthcare space and sort of alternative approaches to the care delivery model whether it be through information technology or other means. I think focusing to the extent you have existing portfolio companies, you know, how can they take advantage of some of those trends through you know, telemedicine adoption, value-based care programs, improving upon the cohesiveness of their, if it's a provider-based business, of, of how their providers collaborate together, even within their own organization to see where they can find more efficient ways to deliver care and, and less expensive ways to deliver care. And then in terms of looking at new investment opportunities, identifying businesses that, that help facilitate those trends as well. I think continuing to sort of um, focus on traditional free-for-service businesses, as has been the case in the past, is still going to be attractive in a lot of ways. But I think, again, people are going to really want to understand the underlying fundamentals of the business and a lot better clarity than they have in the past to make sure they're picking the winners in that space rather than just trying to land an asset because you know, everybody seems to be buying a dermatology business or an ophthalmology business. And so I need to have one too because my LPs all think, why aren't I in that space yet? I think there's going to be less of that type of herd mentality and more innovation. To Jed, on that point, I think that frenzy you were just describing has now in the pandemic has highlighted some of the flaws, I think, in there, the behaviors that it creates. And so, you know, in the physician practice management space in particular, which has been a hot area of, of transactional activity, you know, we're say the last five, 10 years in healthcare, it's not enough. I think a lot of people are finding the hard way. It's not enough to just have a buy and build strategy. 
and to start that all off on a foot that included you know, rich pricing with EBITDA assumptions and add-ins that, that couldn't ever come to fruition and just wasn't built to do that. There's got to be more to it. From a diligence perspective, I'm seeing folks put a lot more work, not only into the financial diligence and legal diligence as we've talked about, but also called the partnership diligence of building a organization and a culture that can make it through times like this, you know, with the pandemic. But then even in good times, you know, the smart money that I've seen puts a lot of effort into building that cohesion, making sure that everybody's rowing in the same direction, as opposed to just, you know, okay, we're closing it. Who cares about integration? And let's move on to the next one. Because as soon as, you know, a pressure point comes, that diversified team that's never really been brought together has a hard time holding together. Absolutely. It seems like an appropriate way to sum up, especially in the times that we're living in right now. Kevin, Jed, thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you, too, to our listeners at home for tuning in. For more insight and analysis about the state of healthcare after the curve, you can check out McDermott's Healthcare and Life Sciences News blog at healthcarelifesciencesnews.com. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott, Will & Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott, Will & Emery and the contributing presenters or authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of the consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright 2020, McDermott, Will & Emery, all rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution, or republication without the prior written consent of McDermott, Will & Emery is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.